How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode six of the What a Wonderful Life podcast. I couldn't be more excited for my guest today on this episode. Um, wrote one of the best, I don't know, pieces of literature on college mental health that I've seen and since I've been talking about it. Um, so without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Love to. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Max, thank you for having me. My name is Kayleen Bracken. I'm a sophomore at Vanderbilt University. Um, I play lacrosse and I grew up in northern New Jersey, big lacrosse town. Um, I think that's the general information about me. I just published a piece called A Letter to College Sports, um, originally with The Mental Matchup, which is the blog um, associated with Morgan's Message, which is a pretty well-known, obviously, Max, you know it, um, organization in college sports now, which is amazing. Um, and then it was published in U.S. Across Magazine, and it's kind of taken off from there, which has been really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's been everywhere. And I feel like that was the first, like, post of its type that now I feel like, for better or for worse, every day I feel like I see a new kind of Instagram story with a quote or caption or paragraph that has to do with mental health and student-athletes. Um, so I guess what kind of going back and starting it, um, what was kind of your experience that made you want to write that? So this is interesting. I think it's so funny that I've had kind of like, not funny, it's, it's an honor that I've had heads turned to me um, to ask about, you know, college sports and mental health, because this was the first piece I've ever written on the subject. Like I have been writing for almost two years and I I've never once thought to write about college across. Even this semester, my nonfiction writing professor was like, what if you took your column in the direction of college sports? And I was like, no way. I live in it. I am so immersed in it. I have no interest in, you know, writing about it. That's kind of my creative outlet. Um, but I had gone on the Mental Magic podcast and Kat texted me in January asking if I'd be willing to write a piece for the blog. And they were trying to get it kind of running. So I told her, I was like, yeah, totally, I'll write one. Um, and then a bullet point that said, like, write a blog post for the mental matchup. Practically bought real estate on my to-do list. It was there for, like, two months. I had no idea what I wanted to write. I was, like, kind of not procrastinating it because she didn't really give me, like, a hard deadline. But I remember on the day that Katie Meyer died, I my roommate came into our room and was like, hey, I don't know if you heard this, but the goalie at Stanford um, – died by suicide. And it was immediately then that night that I wrote like the, the 3000 word piece that would later be published and, you know, all this publicity around it. But I wanted to write it on that piece because I've always been really passionate about mental health for everyone. And I hope that comes through in a lot of like my work and my work with mental health is that it's not just for student athletes, it's for parents and every, you know, young adult and child and whoever needs it. But I decided to write it on the mental health of student athletes because I feel like right when you're immersed in your season, you're so you know acutely aware of how much people struggle and how normalized it is and to just be like slightly miserable really in your things. Like people are coming home from practice and they're crying and you know, you're calling your parents like begging to for them to let you take a day off or something like that. So I was really aware of the feelings and I think that's why I was able to express them in the piece. Um, 
overall, generally though, I just, I care so much about my teammates and the thought of losing any of them was my main motivation for writing the piece because if I could save one life by, you know, 3000 words on a blog post that somebody stumbles upon, um, that would have been contributing to my mission in life, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And I can attest to like that very similar feeling of when you like hear about it happening to someone else. Like for example, for me, a recent example was Robert Martin passing away the goalie from Binghamton I grew up playing with him in San Diego and once I saw that I was like that entire day I was on a mission like making phone calls to people like yeah do you want to help me like change this and like athletic directors and coaches like something needs to be done like I can't I, for me it was like a point of like I don't know if it's anger necessarily but it's like anger mixed with fear where it's just like why is this still happening like there's been so much work done so many people posting stuff but it just there still hasn't been like substantial change um and my like reaction to it was like this needs to come from the athletic departments and coaches and stuff like that which is why your piece is amazing and i, I think addresses it in a very like appropriate way which is hard. And like, I've definitely found struggle when I'm talking about writing about this, like your emotions can kind of take over. Um, and you want to like, I don't know, like yell at people almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was so well written and it like, have you, have you gotten responses? Obviously in it, you say like how good of a relationship you have with your coaches, uh, which is amazing. Cause obviously not everyone has that or has that ability especially on the guys' side of sports, it's a lot harder, I think, to talk to your coaches about this sort of stuff. But have you had any conversations with kind of coaches after the fact? So I talked to my coaches, I mean, naturally after the fact, um, but also like a lot of other college coaches have reached out to me, which is amazing. And the, I think it was the William and Mary coach reached out to me and was like, I just wanted you to know that this really changed my perspective on coaching and how I will treat my players and how I'll, you know, behave around them, which was so amazing to me because of all the reactions I got. It was so beautiful to hear from student athletes and hear their stories. Um, and also to hear from parents about their children's stories, or I didn't really hear from them any administrators, which I think is reflective of how the problem is currently being handled, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty much with the removal of administration. Um, but my coaches, were so supportive and my coach was actually the one who called me and was like hey I don't know if you know you care or not but I called Good Morning America and I, I just wanted them to have your piece and so she's been like a huge advocate and I think I I would love for other coaches to look to her as an example that you can still be like a winning program without having to kind of come down on the mental health of your players mm -hmm. but generally the conversation has been between a lot of student athletes and it's been so cool to connect with people even people reaching out and being like what can we do because I think it was great to like have my name on the byline and go on Good Morning America and those things are awesome and it was an honor to be given any sort of platform to talk about these things and have my voice amplified and my story told but I'm so much more concerned with like the narrators, you know, who don't live to tell their stories like a, a week or not a week, a day after the story was published, like headlines 
hit about Robert Martin's death and it was just heartbreaking. And frankly, like you said, like it's frustrating, it's confusing and it's so frustrating because you feel almost like you're helpless in a lot of ways because you as one student athlete feel like you can't do so much to save someone's life, especially like, you know, across the country. I have a cousin who plays lacrosse at Binghamton for the women's team and and the thought of her being that far away from me and going through anything like Robert was is just gutting. So I feel like coaches have not, other coaches have not been as responsive to me directly, which would be, you know, natural. I don't think a lot of coaches are going to be like hitting my line to chat, but it's been, it's been really positive feedback. And I think ironically, the coaches have been pretty coachable, at least from the ones I've talked to in terms of how, and I think now a lot of coaches and adults generally are just asking like, what is it that we can do? And that's like amazing that you were calling people. And I have even been frustrated with the visibility of Robert's death, just because I think it's not been given as much attention as some of the other deaths and people we've lost in the sports community. And, you know, those, that's another conversation about like high performing schools and, you know, high performing athletes might get more attention than someone who isn't, you know, the star of the team. And and that's so wrong because it doesn't help the problem. It's not like, these things don't discriminate against different players. Um, so I'm totally going off on a tangent, but mm-hmm. I have so much to say about it. And there is just a lot to be done. And it's conversations like these that I think will start to create progress, but ultimately like feeling while it is a part of the grieving process isn't action. And until we start doing, I don't think anything will really change, which is terrifying. So I really hope that we start to create you know, tangible progress. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when like U.S. Lacrosse put out their tweet for kind of Robert, I already knew know about it because so my girlfriend's friend plays at Binghamton, and one of my friends from home sent me like the post from Binghamton where they didn't disclose what exactly happened. They just mentioned he passed away, so I sent it to her, and she texted her friend and called me and was like, "I don't even want to tell you this," and it direct like when I was reading your. Uh, letter again it directly made me think of the part where you talked about how like you want to like unlearn the cause of um one of the women passing away because it's like in my head I'm like like as sad as it is like anything but this like please don't be mental health related and then it is and it's you know it's so sad and it just starts bringing up all these like feelings for everybody and then it does suck like you said the visibility like you'll see stuff for a day and then it's gone again or like there's like a new art another article posted in like an hour which like I get it like it's a publication or whatever it's not their necessarily job but like in overall like it sucks it sucks having to post for your friends it sucks seeing your friends post for their teammates and friends all the time and like now I get just get messages from people like if I repost anything and they're like are you kidding me like and there's another like how it like what is going on like like a pandemic like literally like it literally is a problem of epidemic I wrote something for my class and I was like this is a problem of epidemic proportions and as I was writing it and revising it I found out about Lauren Burnett so I was like this is so jarring and it really is it's like everywhere you turn and oh my gosh you're so right it's yeah so frustrating and upsetting uh, 
so obviously your team is involved in Morgan's message, um, which is obviously they do a great job. We've both done their podcast and phenomenal organization hosts. They've done so job like such a great job spreading their message. Fairfield women's team is part of it. Um, how ha, were you guys already a part of it or did you help bring that to Vanderbilt? So ironically, there's three girls on my team who were all like myself and two other girls were all separately trying to get involved with Morgan's message. And I want to say I got involved with them over the summer and I emailed them my story and was like, hey, I would love to come on the podcast and tell my story just because I felt like there was a lot of value in that vulnerability, which I'm sure you felt the same way about telling yours. And I think that's like the power of their podcast is having people tell these stories that are, you know, typical conversations. But we realized when we got back to school that we had all been working with um, Morgan's message. And one of the girls on my team, her sister had played at Duke with Morgan. So everyone kind of had like a really, was very vested in the cause. Um, and then we got together and we decided we were going to start a chapter of Morgan's message at Vanderbilt. And it's been really awesome on our team, like the conversations about mental health and just the people being receptive to these ideas just generally. Uh, we really want to make Morgan's message like a big thing at Vanderbilt. And we haven't made that much progress, I think, ironically, because we are student athletes and we don't have as much time to commit to creating a club that even includes non-athletes. Um, but I think Morgan's message is the coolest community of people in the way it has become so far reaching. Like I, I'm sure you've heard of um, The Hidden Opponent with Victoria yeah. Garrick. That's I just learned about that a few weeks ago. And I didn't know that they were partnered with Morgan's message. So it just makes me so happy to see even like brands like It's a Wonderful Life to see everyone creating these things that are, you know, representative of the cause that we also deeply care about um, as athletes and also as just a community of people around athletes, uh, like families and coaches and everything. So that's, that's how we kind of gathered that we were all involved with Morgan's message and we have our dedication game on Saturday. So I'm excited. It's like cool to see Morgan's message coming to my entire team and also to our school and having the cause reach um, just so much wider than it did when it originally began. Yeah, definitely. I think that's like the power of their kind of program of like getting, I don't know, like if it's an ambassador program or what they technically call it, but like getting these chapters at different schools, I think is so powerful. And plus then it like, so I feel like most of the time it's starting through women's lacrosse teams naturally, just because of kind of what the Morgan's message is based around a former women's lacrosse player. So easy to find similarities there. Um, but I really want to, I'm one thing I'm interested to see is how like it spreads throughout an athletic department um, in ways that like, obviously not only Morgan's message, like mental health in general. Um, I feel like it's usually like one team or one person or something like that is like the center of it, of like the advocacy and talking about it and creating conversations. And, but sometimes it gets stuck just like in on that one team. Uh, like I know our Morgan's message at Fairfield for the girls, like Air Cross staff is phenomenal when it comes to mental health. Um, I talked to one of their assistant coaches on the phone the other day it's about like what they've been doing with their team and kind of like the little like workshops they do just to like make sure their girls know they're like humans 
and we're not just your coaches. Like we can have conversations. You can ask us anything. Um, and it sucks when like all my best friends who are on the guys team still don't have that. And like, I firsthand knowingly know what a lot of them go through because a lot of them come to me and talk to me. I'm sure you found it the same way too, since putting your letter out there and immediately, which not in a bad way at all, immediately opens you up to be the person people feel comfortable talking to, yeah. uh, which can definitely be overwhelming at times, uh, which is something I wanted to ask about too. But it opens you up. And so like you hear all these kids coming to you and you're like, I want to help you. I'm like weirdly not the person who can help you. Like why, why aren't the people who can help you helping you? Um, so I, don't know, yeah. uh, I guess another weird kind of tangent. I just really want to see how like athletic departments fully can integrate mental health. Like I was talking to her about how like, you know, like you go on your recruiting trip, you get shown like the locker room, the weight room, the athletic training area for like physical injuries. Imagine how like comfortable a parent would know be knowing that like, oh, we also have a mental health resource for student athletes. So they know from the second they get to campus, like just as like, oh, you need tape before practice, be there 30 minutes early in the training room, we get your ankle tape. If you have something going on mentally, go to this person or go to the coach, like from the right off the bat. Cause like one thing I was thinking about, like when you're a freshman and it was it your freshman year that you took your break from lacrosse. Mm. So when you're a freshman, like you're most of the time you're 18 and it's your first time moving away from home and your coach for the most part is the only person on the campus your parents have any form of relationship with. So they're like pretty much handing them off, handing your kid off to a coach. Like not that like a college coach's job is to babysit, but it's like, you should know you're safe. Uh, oh, totally. But uh, what, what is that response been? like for you have you had kind of the influx of dms text messages phone calls from all over the place yes i definitely have which has been like like to me is i'm so grateful people feel like they can talk to me about it especially strangers like that is just an amazing every time i get a message from someone i don't know i'm like in awe that they thought that they feel, felt like they could tell me these things um, and so I started sharing my story just like generally and really not lacrosse related. I, I, I honestly think people that follow my Instagram were confused when all of this sports stuff started happening. They were like, this girl has never once talked about playing sport just because I, it's so important to me that I develop an identity outside of being an athlete um, that I kind of have kept that off of my social media, at least like my kale with kale, not my personal account. Cause my personal account is just, you know, private and I, we'll talk about whatever I want to on it. Um, but I just went off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> people, ever since I started sharing my story, I feel like I started sharing my like story generally. Um, in like January of last year, when I was recovering from an eating disorder, that's when I started like practicing vulnerability actively on social media. And then come July, I started a blog called own your story. So I think a lot of people started to see me as someone who was not only willing to tell my own story, but was really receptive to hearing people's. And I try to practice non-judgment as much as I can. So, I mean, I'm only human, but I, I do hear people out and I try and give them the best advice that I can while also acknowledging that I'm 19 years old and I don't have 
all of the answers. Um, because I think that a lot of people, like you said, will come to me. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just not equipped to, to give them the guidance on this as much as I want to help. And so I try and give like my most honest and helpful responses because I do want people to find and take the action that will actually help them heal or progress or whatever it is. But it is amazing to hear like people's stories. And I'm such a curious person. My like one goal for this season was to interview everyone on my team, because I think getting to know people is such a valuable part of life, frankly, just connecting with them. And hearing different people's stories from people texting me saying like, hey, after I read your letter, I decided to take the rest of the semester off and I was really struggling and, and it made me feel brave for doing it. I was so touched by that because I was like, if I could give anyone an invitation to feel like they're brave in making a decision for themselves rather than that they're weak or that they failed, it's the greatest gift because I think that's exactly what I needed when I was deciding whether or not to like there was so much dissonance for me being like am I failing you know the last 14 years of playing lacrosse if I'm not continuing on for this entire time and however brief my you know stepping away from the sport was it was so necessary and it changed the course of my entire life taking that break and like I wouldn't be here right now um, or any I wouldn't be like talking about this or have the perspective that I do if not for those things. So I am glad people do reach out and it's crazy how many people are experiencing the same thing. Like it was, I've gotten hundreds of DMS of people telling me the same story, like, or telling me about their sibling who they lost or all of these people. And that's how I like know for a fact that it's an epidemic because I never, when I was publishing the piece, like no part of me thought people were going to be like, oh, it's just you, you know, you're dramatic or you're weak. I was like, no people, I know this is a pretty universal story. And as much as that is disillusioning and devastating, it also is a, a, to tribute to the fact that there's so many people who could have written this. Like I said, my name being on the byline was not anything more than the fact that I had the words and like the writing ability to express those things. I think a lot of people could have told that story just as effectively as I did um, when they're speaking from their heart. And I think that's what you did in your video too, that you sent me, like you so effectively told your story because you were so honest and raw. And I think people probably look at you and feel the same way. And like I was saying before we started recording, I'm so glad that male athletes have you as a role model, because obviously I'm not a guy and I, I don't know what it's like to be in that culture, but I can imagine it. And I think the way masculinity plays into college sports is pretty kind of like arresting for a lot of men who are struggling with mental health because you get there and you don't feel comfortable talking to a male coach because he hasn't been raised to have those conversations and he, he hasn't been socialized to talk to you guys about it. And you guys haven't really been socialized to talk about it openly either. And it's just this catch 22 of nobody being able to talk about their mental health. And I'm glad that I'm a, a woman and have had a lot of women reach out to me, but also even men reaching out to me, it has been insane to me. Cause I feel like I don't have a lot of examples of men being really vulnerable and to have these messages has just been incredible. It gives me a lot of hope for people. Yeah, definitely. It's a crazy experience. Is that like the best way, like the way I felt after I put the video, my video out, because no one had heard, like, when I started Wonderful Life, my end of junior year, 
then like the pandemic happened and I restarted it like beginning of last year like my senior year I w- didn't tell anyone really like my story with it people just knew I had anxiety I guess because I put it on a sweatshirt literally <laughs> and so I would never like really dive deep into it with people when they asked but like it was crazy because like if I made like a new sweatshirt pair of sweats or something I would like wear them out that weekend at school like I'd be like walking around like in a sweatsuit but like I was like I didn't care like I thought <laughs> and then people would come and re- like naturally like read the paragraph and like I would have people like break down crying in front of me and I'm like oh my gosh I don't know what to do right now like and they'd be like you don't know how much this means to me and my family and then over the summer um a couple of things led up to me like wanting to put the video out but when I was flying back home I was like sitting on the plane and I was I didn't know what to do and I just started typing and and turned into that like entire script for the video essentially um but a lot of it was stuff I hadn't really thought about or processed because I kind of tried to bury like my experience in my subconscious I don't know the whole science but I've talked to a couple therapists about it like repression yeah but um and a couple of things like brought it back up for me which is why I wrote that all out and then I was like I want to do something with this and I don't know what to do um so I had the idea to make the video and then like putting that out and then like the influx of messages was the craziest thing so it's like if it was so nice knowing like you're not alone other people feel this way but then also it's like oh no I like I don't want you telling me this because I don't want you feeling this way like I don't want to know you feel this way because you shouldn't have to feel this way like it's such like a double-edged sword um where it's like nice to hear but it also is like I don't want you have to feel this way ever like my whole thing with this video is I didn't want anyone to ever feel the way I did um which is why I put it out there and still when I people see it I'll get like questions or random messages i i think crazier than like strict complete strangers like hitting up with stories about it was kids who i was really close with from home or like at school or like what grew up in high school with and like see every time i go home come coming being like i have the exact same story but like we would have never known each other went through that at all just because it was probably nothing something that would we have never have brought up we wouldn't have diving into that topic together but like hearing some of like and you kind of said it in your piece like there's it's a template unfortunately like which is like the scariest saddest part about it like every story reads the same um then it's the same thing like oh i would never thought you went through this because you're so happy and joyful and blah 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 but yeah it's like those are the people we need to get checked up on most no it's a whole like tangent but like like you said but um it's amazing though and it's it's a very weird like role to be in because like you said you're like I'm 19 I don't know what to say to these people I refer I refer to it as my like unprofessional experiential opinion and like I I get to a point where sometimes I'll be like look like you need to one talk to your parents if you can't do that talk to a coach or someone if you can't do that like reach out to a therapist like I've helped people get in contact with therapists but it's like there is a point where it's like I don't know what else I could do for you besides give you my experience and how I got through it but with mental health obviously everyone's different um 
and as much as they are templates like not every story is the same so it's kind of hard but that was something i was really interested in because i haven't really talked to many people who have that had that similar experience of opening themselves up um did you know that did you expect that to happen at all or no i i did not expect it to be to the extent that it has been but i think it is like sharing my story previously on my instagram and just going through things like i shared a lot about my eating disorder and then i shared a lot about battling depression and so when i i got to the point of sharing about sports like my experience with sports, which to me and the people that were really close to me, like they saw me go through all of it, but I did a really good job, I think, of like not conveying to the other people, you know, that follow me or that I know kind of like people I go, I go home and see, like people that I'm not crazy close with or aren't so involved in my life. Um, I did a good job of almost like hiding it from them, which I think a lot of us do, whether that's intentional or just kind of like self-preserving naturally. Um, but I was not expecting the influx of people to share such also like the stories that they're sharing are so heartbreaking. And I'm used to people being like, Oh, I'm struggling with my body image or I'm struggling with my relationship with my parents or something. A lot of people ask me for like advice. I do advice like every week. Mm -hmm. And so people will ask me for advice on different things. And it's usually like college and wellness and relationships and stuff. And often there are, questions about mental health but they're more like and I don't want to say standard but they're like the usual ones like how do I manage time I'm overwhelmed how do I avoid burnout and they're not usually super probing but I try to answer them as honestly as I can and like talk about how I would how I've gotten through things and how I would deal with them but you're so right like it's a really unique experience and now talking to you I'm realizing I've never talked to anyone else who's put themselves in that position I feel like I'm so curious when people tell you like, oh, that's so vulnerable. You're so brave. Do you feel like it was something that was challenging for you to share? Because when I share these things, like I, it's not, I don't have a second thought about them. I'm like, it feels like my purpose in a lot of ways to be open about these things so that I can invite other people into these conversations. And I think I'm always taken aback by people. And it's so flattering. Obviously, I really appreciate it when people are like, you're so brave um, and courageous. And those are things I want to embody. But it's interesting to me because I feel like that's the thing about mental health is right now, it's courageous to talk about mental health instead of just being like normal or taken as is. So I want to get to a point where talking about your mental health and you're sharing your story is just like standard And then it's not this like dramatic thing where you're like someone who has anxiety and, or someone who has been depressed. I feel like right now we like where people who are open about their mental health are wearing these labels like, oh, he was anxious or he has anxiety or she was depressed. She had an eating disorder. Whereas like so many people go through these things. And I think when we make it so dramatic, it becomes, and I don't mean dramatic in like the extent of the actual feelings. I mean, dramatic in like, we're like, oh, she had an eating disorder or like he was depressed. We make it such a big deal when so many people actually feel these things, be it acutely or, you know, minimal feelings that come and go. And then we invalidate people who aren't struggling so much that they're coming to the point where they are taking their own lives or seeking serious help. And there are so many people I think who feel these things to a lesser extent, but still feel them just as much. And when we make mental health so big, it feels like 
not everyone can seek help for it. Like it feels like you need to qualify somehow. Um, like you need to be so struggling so much to get there. So I'm so curious for you, like if you feel like sharing your story has made other people see you as like different from other men, especially, and like make you, does it, I mean, I'm sure it makes you feel brave and it totally should. Like you are an incredibly brave person and like courageous. I think those things are inherent in someone who has the ability to tell their story, but I am curious, like as someone who's a female athlete, I think there's so much more space to talk about my feelings. And I think for male athletes, like, I wonder if you feel, you know, differentiated because you've done what you've done. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess like the first part, how you said, like people, when people come up to you, you're like, oh, well, this is like natural for me to talk about. Like, I definitely think now it is like, now I can, I feel like I could talk about mental health and what I went through pretty easily without like having to really think about it. Um, but I do remember like, once I wrote out my whole thing, I was looking at it because no one knew about like the lowest of my lows, essentially. Um, and so I had sent it to my cousin who I was really close with. Uh, I was like, can you read this for me? And she was, I was always like really close with her. Um, and we had talked about like mental health and stuff beforehand um, to various extents. And she responded like, you're a fucking rock star. Like, like that was her first response. And I had no idea. Cause like, this is the first person who knew, uh, I, who I told, you know, I got to a point of almost suicide and she was just like, after her initial reaction, she was like, okay, like one, like, what are you going to do with this? And I told her about the video. She's like, have you told your parents about this yet? Um, I was like, no, like, obviously I'm going to, I'm not going to just put this out on social media and be like, heads up, this happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I like talked to her and she at first was like, I just want to give you a heads up. Like there, you're going to get a range of reactions. Like hopefully there's none that are bad, but like, she's like, you might have people who are really close to you who are going to feel like they not understand why, like you couldn't have gone to them in that moment or people who are in your life at the time. Like, it's not like a form of being offended, but it's like a why or like them feeling kind of guilty which was like, I tried to make as clear as possible was not my goal at all. Um, and then I recorded the video with a, my videographer before I told my parents, they knew I was recording it. They didn't know the whole story yet. Um, once it was done, I like sat down with them. I was like trying to read the script and not like cry at the same time, reading it to them. But I mean, they were so responsive and amazing, but my mom kind of was like, like when she like wiped tears away I was like all right like one yes like you don't I wasn't even if they told me not to put it out on social media for whatever reason I was going to do it anyways to be honest and I told her that um but she was like this is amazing I'm so proud of you blah blah, blah. she's like this is going to open you up to a lot that you're not going to be like may, might not be ready for she's like you're going to immediately become someone that people feel comfortable talking to whether you know them or not, people feel comfortable approaching, people feel, feel comfortable like dumping their feelings and stuff onto. So like, you're going to become a lot of people's therapist. And I was like, that's fine. Like, I feel like I already had that relationship with a lot of people. Um, but never to the extent I thought. And I was lucky. I didn't receive any, quote unquote, bad reactions to it. Um, 
they're like some of my closer friends from the time and roommates obviously like i texted a heads up too when the video came out um and was like if any of you guys want to talk about this pretty like one-on-one like especially like my roommate i was living with at the time like or something like that like i was like if you guys want to talk about this one-on-one like 100 like i'll tell you what or you can ask me anything um but everyone was so supportive but then now it's like that now i've talked about it more and when people see it for the first time they're like this is so brave i never know i don't really know how to respond to them so it's like it's just like what i dealt with or like the where people would be like it's so amazing you like beat this or like got past it i was like i still deal with anxiety and stuff like that like i can manage it now and like it's not i'm not playing a sport still so i don't have that weighing down on me um i think one of the really kind of cool things that you mentioned was you wanted to have now identity outside of lacrosse which was I think one of my biggest problems and which led to me stepping away like right before our season started senior year um, which was the best decision I've ever made for myself Um, it was exactly the same thing I was like I don't like and not that there's anything wrong with it. It's like, I love the sport of lacrosse. So to this day, I think I, like you said, I would have probably hated it if I didn't step away. Um, but I was just like, I need, like, I'm more than this. Like, I don't like walking around campus and people being like, that's a lacrosse kid. Like, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just like, not me. Like, my name is Max. Like, I run a clothing company. I know I'd use a sewing machine, like blah, 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 all this random <laughs> stuff. Like, there's a lot more to me. That, and so... I think once I stepped away and became really comfortable with that part of me too, um, it helped me be more comfortable just like talking about anything that I've experienced with mental health. Kind of a rant, but I feel like that was the best way I could answer that. <laughs> well, that was awesome. It's, it is the whole athlete identity thing. I think I've, I struggled with it because I, especially when I came back, because my coaches were like, if you're going to come back, like you're coming back 110%. And I was like, that's the deal. Like I I'm coming back and I'm fully committed. Um, cause they don't want like one foot in the door, one foot out, obviously. Yeah. And I wouldn't have wanted that either. And I wouldn't have come back if I didn't think I could come back hundred percent, but it has been interesting, like trying to embrace that athlete identity. And like, I was the same way. I didn't want to wear like my Vanderbilt. Um, we have like Vanderbilt cross backpacks and all the Vanderbilt athletes get like memed for wearing our athlete backpacks. Cause they look mm-hmm. like jet packs. Um, so I was like, I cannot be seen on campus with that. Like, I don't want my professors to think I'm an athlete. I don't want, you know, other people on campus to think I got in here for sports instead of, you know, academics. And once I got past all that and realized that I wasn't actually like ashamed to be an athlete, there was just other parts of myself that I hadn't really paid attention to. And like, given the love that they, that, that those parts of myself needed, that I finally was like, okay, I can be a really versatile person I can be a student athlete I can be a writer you don't have to take on this like limited identity and I think that's also beyond sports like such a issue for our generation is like so many people feel like they can either be one thing or the other like you can either be an athlete or you can be really into school or you can be you know whatever it is we fit ourselves in these boxes and I think it becomes so limiting so that's been something that I have learned to balance is like being proud of my membership um, alongside recognizing the fact that I also have so much more to me and 
kind of, I, I think I lead with the other things and especially ever since sharing my story and becoming like a mental health advocate or whatever people want to describe me as, cause I have no title, but yeah. I feel like once I've started doing that, people lead when they're introducing me like, Oh, this is Kayleen. She has, a, you know, a blog and it's so flattering. Cause it's like what the part of me that I hold closest. And so this sports thing is almost like a supplement, which is what it should be. Like, it shouldn't be our life and it shouldn't be our entire identity. Cause that's what it becomes, you know, the decider of our worth, which is very problematic. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that's literally one of the biggest problems in athletics is it, like you said, people become so one dimensional and they, it's not, and I don't think it's that they don't want like a hobby or something outside of their sport. It's, I don't think they know how to have it. Like I didn't, I know I didn't know how to balance it at first when I was like trying to like make clothes and stuff like that while like playing sports, people were like, what the hell are you doing? Or like, I was like, I, this is the only way I'm getting through across right now, to be honest with you. Like, this is the one time I can like not think about having a ball thrown at me, like and getting hit and breaking my hand for like the seventh time at Fairfield. Like, let me go use a sewing machine in my dorm for like an hour. Um, but definitely like once you're able to embrace that, I definitely think I had that same experience too, where I felt more okay of like, okay, I am a lacrosse player too. Like I wasn't trying to just like be like, no, nah, I don't want to be associated with like Fairfield lacrosse anymore. It was more like there's a lot, there's multiple parts of me that all equal one thing. And that's how it should be. Like people preach, like we need multi-sport athletes. You need just like good people too, who have experiences doing all different kinds of things. Like you have one person who only knows how to act on a sports field and then they're in a social environment and don't know how to talk to anyone. Like what good is that going to do to you? Um, so I agree with that. And I think it's awesome that you have a, I don't know if it, is it like a business Instagram, like, or at least like a blog, like a blog Instagram kind of thing. I honestly don't know. I've heard it described as so many things. And ironically, the name of it is Kale with Kale, which they asked me about on the mental matchup. And they were like, did you used to just post Kale? And I was like, no, I was really like into wellness and I still am, but yeah. I, it's so funny because it's strayed so far from what it started as. It started as like a food account and now it's something completely different. Now it's evolved a lot, but I've heard people call it like, somebody once called it a poetry account, which I was like, that's new. I've never heard that one before. Uh, poetry account got once. I've gotten like, most people just say blog. I think I've gotten like mental health account, writing account, a lot of different things. And I eventually I would love for that mission not necessarily social media to be my career but um it is funny hearing how people refer to it as like different things based on what they take from it value wise yeah definitely I mean when I was looking at it like my first thought was like influencer but the <laughs> part of that is just like naturally because like because someone described this described me as this the other day like I was talking to the head of like the friends of Jacqueline foundation mm. um, about some potential mental health stuff. And I forget the exact word he used, but it was like a person who has like gone through an experience and uses it now to like influence slash help other people. I forget the exact term, but that's what he described me as. And so that's what I was thinking. I was like, Oh, like you do like the questions, like you said, like stuff like that, like 
you're visibly helping people on your Instagram, which is really cool because Instagram is not necessarily the friendliest social media platform in the world. Like I couldn't be imagine being a girl and having an Instagram. It's I have a little sister and I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> it, yeah, it's that's a whole other conversation we could have. It's like insane. And especially with even being an athlete, it's interesting the way like I choose to present myself on my social media. And it's funny because people will say like, it's so amazing that you're so open on social media and you're so courageous. And I'm like, my Instagram is just as curated as every other human beings. Like when, even when I decide to be vulnerable on my account, like it's not necessarily as like vulnerability in and of itself is something it's like the most vulnerable you can be is when you don't know you're being vulnerable. Like it's like, you're in such a raw position. And so I think what people don't totally know about the way I like share my life is that so much of when I'm vulnerable is on my own terms. And that's something that I'm working on even is like becoming more comfortable with accepting vulnerability when I'm not the one guiding it. And it's interesting because with that whole conversation of like how I present myself on social media and how other young women do. And it's just crazy the way that you can make yourself look like so authentic or eccentric and you're still choosing. Like, I know everyone's still scrolling through their Instagram or camera roll, choosing, like selecting the 10 photos they're going to post and thinking about the caption. And like, I'm aware of the way I present myself and I know how people will perceive it in so many ways. And of course, like some people will perceive it in other ways and, you know, that's none of my business, but it's social media is something I could go on for about four hours. So it's interesting. Yeah. Like I don't, if you like look at my account, I don't have a single really lacrosse related thing on there anymore, uh, which isn't like on purpose. It's just like how my Instagram is. Uh, so I've had people be like, I've, which is cool. Now that I've been a little farther away from playing at Fairfield, I've like started to meet people who like have no idea I ever played divisional lacrosse or like let alone been a goalie. And so like I'll like I was at something for work the other weekend and just talking to like one of my bosses who I've only met virtually, like over Zoom. It's the first time I met him in person. He was just asking me about stuff. He's like, "You're a lacrosse goalie. So like, you seem so normal." Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I get it a lot. Like, I don't exactly know what's weird about me, but I know I'm weird. Um, but it, it is, it's like this identity crisis that I feel like a lot of people have while they're a student athlete and they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. Or it doesn't happen till like a lot of the recent kind of paragraph story things that have been getting reposted. It's like what happens when the person plays their last game or they graduate and now they're going into the workforce or whatever their next step is. And they no longer are a Fairfield lacrosse player, a Vanderbilt lacrosse player, a football player in college. Like there's very few percentage of athletes that get to go play professional leave anything, especially in lacrosse yeah. and get to like keep that identity. Um, so like, I mean, I definitely have a lot of friends personally. I know who after they've got done playing, they're like, I don't know what I'm, doing next like, I guess I'm getting a job but it's crazy like there's just I don't get the whole stigma of it of like you can't be doing other things with your life we had um at Fairfield we had a 
our coaches are big on like mental toughness. Like we had a mental toughness coach. Oh who, God. Who zoomed in. Yeah. And yeah, I could, I could go on a tangent about him. <laughs> he was, one thing he said to us when he came, it was the fall of my senior year. So it was right before I quit. And I think this was like a deciding moment for me. He was like, you could do anything. He's like, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So like, you could be a very good, you can be a good athlete or you can have your social life or you can do this, that, the other thing. But like, if you're trying to spread yourself out, you can't, you're not going to be able to be full on one thing. And so in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, I have lacrosse and I have what a wonderful life. At the time, like I hadn't put much into the mental health part of mental of what a wonderful life yet. besides just donating and raising awareness to the clothes. Like I was really more focused on like, I want to make clothing and like be an artist and stuff. And so at that point I was like, all right, like I should probably like seasons coming up. I should just focus on lacrosse. And then I went home and I was like, eh, I'm going to quit lacrosse. And I actually like, I've literally thought about it multiple times. I was like, I wonder if that guy never tried to convince me that I could only do one thing if I would have quit, but we will never know. Um, but yeah, but because I know you mentioned in your article too, kind of the mental toughness part of college athletics. And there's obviously very like levels of it. Um, and I do think it correlates a bit with mental health, but the way I like to look at it is like, if you have the flu and then you're trying to like lift weights, it's, if you're sick and like visibly weak, like you're not gonna be able to get anything out of lifting. Like if you have anxiety, depression or something greater going on in your head, you doing a concentration grid or some other kind of mental performance exercise isn't gonna do anything for you when you're still walking away from practice and you don't wanna speak to anyone and like wanna go like curl up in a ball. Um, yeah. But I was wondering like, have you had any experiences with like quote unquote mental toughness kind of things? I am like ardently opposed to mental toughness. Like I think it is mental toughness and the concept of tough love, I think is like the greatest, most, it's like the most annoying oxymoron to me. Like tough love is a bullshit excuse for, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, it's an excuse for um, people who are delivering things, delivering, you know, messages to people without emotional intelligence. Like tough love is, it's, if you're saying like, ah, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm giving them tough love when I tell them that they need to practice more, or they need to focus on this. Like, that's not tough love. That's just honesty. Being honest with someone is a virtue in and of itself. Tough love, like those two things, love should not be tough. Love should be gentle and forgiving and a lot of other things that are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things like even we played Ohio State, not to name drop in, um, the earlier in the season, I remember they had like a, in their stadium, it just says like tough love on the wall. And I was like, I just can't get behind that. Like nobody could convince me that tough love is an, is an effective way. Honestly, I is like, you know, number one priority. So honesty, I think is amazing. Tough love, completely different and mental toughness. Like I feel almost as though mental toughness is similar in, the, in that it's like an excuse for not being able to address things honestly and openly. And with mental toughness, I think about it like the culture of sports prizes people who are mentally tough and people who are relentless. And then when we look at things that are happening right now, like the three people who have died in the past month, 
it's like, when did anyone tell them that, you know, not being relentless was okay? Like, I hope that that is something people understand as they're being raised in sports, because it's not natural to be relentless. Like there will be walls that you'll encounter. And instead of like pushing through every wall that comes your way and, you know, fighting through every single thing, like it's okay to take a step back and try and reroute in a lot of ways or take a step back and take a break, like drink some water and, you know, redecide how you want to approach the challenge. But it's, it's never, I don't think the right or the effective way to just push through things because you've learned that being relentless is valuable or that being mentally tough is valuable. Like I can't think of one time when mental toughness has taken the form of me going to practice when I'm sick or me being at practice when I'm having a really bad day mentally. Like that's not me being mentally tough. That's me being inconsiderate to myself. Yeah, exactly. And I would like, yeah, the mental toughness thing is just so I was, I really wanted your opinion on that because it was something that we had to do the last two years learning coaching staff. And it's like a zoom video with a mental health coach. And it's like, and like, I, I do think a lot of that stuff is very helpful when used correctly, like breathing exercises, like visualization, like visualizing plays when used correctly, so helpful. And that's how like a lot of the top athletes take their game past like your physical abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like not mental health and it's not, I feel like it's get, it gets used as like a, ex, not an excuse, but, or like a cover up. but like it gets substituted for like having mental health conversations. Like last fall when, and this was kind of what triggered my whole wanting to put this video, the video out and like remembering it all in the fall of my senior year, a kid, who I played high school across with was also a goalie. Uh, Noah Hyken took his own life. And I remember when like my friends from home texted me, I like dropped my phone and like shattered. And we finished up like our team Zoom call later that night. Of, and it was like one of our mental toughness, mental health, or I think we called it mental conditioning, which is the most unappealing name in the world. Like, yeah. I don't like conditioning. I don't want to do it in my head either. Um, but uh, I just like brought it up to our team, like on the Zoom. I was like, hey, coach, can I say something? Like, I just lost one of my teammates. Like, I just want to let you guys know if like anyone needs anything. Like, I'm here. Like, talk to someone. And our coach like followed up with like, oh, he was very like, you know, like, sorry for your loss. Like, if you guys need anything, let me know was like, that's why we were doing like these Zooms, blah, blah. I was like, I just did five concentration grids on Zoom. Like that has nothing to do with this. And that would like rub me in the such a wrong way. Mm. But it is crazy because, and I think that is the big thing in, especially in male athletics is compared to uh, women's is this, like you need to be mentally tough, blah, blah, blah. You need to work through this, which, it there's like a line that separates them um that I think people just need to figure out and realize I think also now that I'm thinking about it I'm so glad that you asked because I've never looked at someone like there's so many things I admire about 
professional athletes that I look up to and even teammates. And it's things like they're an amazing teammate and like they're a dedicated player and they're, they go out and practice, but I've never once been like, she is amazing or, or he is amazing or they're amazing because they're so mentally tough. Like if I ever see people working, th- working through things, like coming to practice when they're clearly having a really bad day or coming to practice after they lost a loved one, I never am like, they're so mentally tough. Like cheers to them. My thought is like, I, I hope they know that they can step away and that we would support them. But I think coaches do, and whether it's intentional or not, they reward people who are like mentally tough and who are showing up to practice and aren't exhibiting weakness, um, at least perceived weakness. And I don't think this was something I wanted to say earlier too, when you were talking about like you coming to the point of like nearly taking your own life, which was such I was so moved by the fact that you shared that and that story because I was thinking about how people think about suicide. And I was writing a piece, like a follow-up essentially that I'm working on. And I was writing about the fact that people don't take their own lives because they're weak. Like it's never a matter of being a, a weak or not mentally tough person. That's not why suicide happens. I think it's that like the pain and the darkness and, you know, the terrifying things that these people are encountering, like, and that I think you and I have both unfortunately been touched by very closely, like they're so overwhelming and they become to the point where they might feel inescapable. And, and so suicide isn't people being weak. It's actually just the strength of the darkness, which is, I like hesitate to use the word darkness. Cause I think for people who don't know it, it's like kind of a confusing word, but those, you know, whether it's anxiety or, kind of helplessness or loneliness, any of those things, um, and a variety of other things too, that people are affected by can't be helped by mental toughness. It's, it's the sheer strength and force of the negativity, the negativity, or almost like the absence of meaning that is so overwhelming for people. It's not that people aren't mentally tough. And that's why I'm like, nobody is going to, save their life by doing a concentration grid especially on zoom like it's people that we're investing i think our my team even did this thing i don't know if you've heard of the program yep Um, yeah okay my team did the program this year and there was actually a lot that i learned so much from and it was like the things i got from it about being a good teammate were things that were really valuable and like learning to look to the right and left and making sure that everyone's like, okay. And that you're not, you know, leaving anyone behind. Those are the things that I took from it. And I don't know if you have ever done it. Yeah. We did like the whole like jumping jacks thing. We did the one day in the pool. Oh my gosh. You are a survivor of the program (laughs) as am I. Did you do in high school or college? Uh, we, I did it at Fairfield my first two years with our old coaching staff, but my high school does it now too, actually. Is, did you go to Tory Pines? Yeah. Okay. No way. That's awesome. Um, I have a bunch of friends who went to Tory, but oh, okay. they, yeah. So I saw Tory Pines is doing it when I was looking into it and I'm like, Oh God, like they have high school kids doing it. I, I can't imagine it's that intense. And then we did it and I was up at four o'clock in the morning getting ready to jump into a pool. I was like, okay, I was wrong. It is very intense. Um, And it was just interesting because I think there were so many pieces of it that unfortunately my team and like we're, you know, 18 to 22 year old girls, we're not going to 
master the art of marine principles in two days. But I think we took a lot of it that actually ended up kind of backfiring, unfortunately, just like the sheer intensity of it and how serious everything is in it, like in the program, it takes the fun completely out of the activities. And when you lose the fun in playing a sport and the joy, it just becomes like a chore or something that you fear more than you actually look forward to. And I honestly forgot how I got to the point of talking about the program, but it really is just an example of how we're investing. Like we invested you know, thousands of dollars to do that. Whereas, and I know other college programs like you did at Fairfield, so many college programs invest in these mental toughness initiatives and then send out emails saying like, our deepest sympathies are with those who have died by suicide student athletes who we've lost. And it's like, you're investing so much money and resources and time and energy into making your players more dedicated to the sport when you could be investing money and hiring like one therapist for the team so that the girls or the boys have a good relationship with them and can create. Cause right now I feel like, and I don't know what it was like at Fairfield, we have like counseling and it's amazing. And I think a lot of people get pointed towards our psychiatrists and sports psychologists when they admit or, you know, come forward and they're like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time often the immediate response is like, oh, have you talked to our therapist or have you talked to our counselor? And as much as those things are so valuable, it's also, I think, true that they're not the resources people really feel comfortable going to. Because when you go to someone that you don't really have a relationship with, it's just not the same. And that's why when people have reached out and been like, and I'm sure people have asked you like, well, what do we do? And like I said, I'm not, I don't know all the answers at all. Um, I'm committed to, you know, finding some solutions and creating progress, but I don't have a blueprint for how we fix this, nor do I really think it's completely fixable. But I do think having like one person that you can just go to instead of investing in a mental toughness coach, invest in like one person who you pay a salary each year to be completely dedicated to working with like one or two teams. So the players can form a true relationship with them. And that also like to your point earlier, I think would be so helpful for parents because you introduce them to someone and you're like, oh, hey, this is actually our dedicated team therapist and doesn't need to be a sports psychologist. Like so much of what we deal with in sports is a reflection of like the challenges we have or a reflection of our internal environment. And often they're like, oh, well, have you talked to a sports psychologist? And I'm like, no, I don't need to talk to someone about my passing and catching or the fact that I got like stuffed on a goal. Like I need to talk to someone about what's going on in my head and in my soul for you know deep purposes but it's I just think it's I just went on a total tangent um but I'm very passionate about figuring out something for but actual actionable things like investing money in counseling and things like that instead of investing in zoom concentration programs and having people you know swim laps in pools at four o'clock in the morning like it's just there's so much more that can be done and I think that the NCAA also could have a huge part in that. So that's my like policy initiative, clearly that I've just pitched to you. <laughs> no, I agree with it completely. And like, like, cause we did the program. I actually loved the program. I thought it was so much fun just cause like for me, like, and I just want to write how I don't like the word like, or like the mental toughness thing. Like 
I think part of it is just from like being a goalie, like it's naturally part of the position. Like you right. got to work through stuff. Like obviously mental toughness is a part of sports, but, and like there are ways to help coach it, but like you can't tell someone to just start thinking a different way. Like it doesn't work. Um, and so I do think like there are the valuable lessons in the program where it's like, you know, it's teamwork. It's putting kids in awkward positions where they have to be the leader. It's, you know, like, Obviously, I grew up in San Diego, California, with a beach five minute away from me. So swimming laps back and forth in a pool wasn't the craziest challenge for me. But then, mm-hmm. like one of my roommates from Idaho, like straight up was like, "I don't know how to swim." Like, and they're like, "Yeah, you gotta figure it out." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> like, they're uh, like floaties. Yeah, but then like, but then you do figure out like the team aspect of it, and like, you know, did you guys have to do the thing where you like take your sweatshirts off? pull them above your head give them to the other person yeah I was like waterboarded by my own hoodie yeah one of the kids on our team finally was like stop giving me like it wasn't to me it was someone was like stop giving me the hoodie inside out like give it to me so I can just slip it on like make stuff easier for your teammates there's like those little things are like doing the three jumping jacks for an hour and a half because like someone can just keeps messing them up um the one perfect jumping jack my team still like we joke about but I agree it, it is I think I was probably one of the people on my team who felt like I got the most from it just because it was I'm not a super like I sometimes struggle to take things really seriously mm-hmm. so I'm not like a super intense person when it comes to the whole like deep attention to detail with like remembering stuff and being on time not exactly my strong suit and I'm working on it but that was really helpful for me and it like changed the way I even show up to like my classes and like if someone tells me I have to have a paper stapled thanks to the program like I will show up with that stapled and I think there's like there's so much value to be taken from it um so I agree I should in case anyone from the program ends up listening to this I really did love the program <laughs> I had a good time but it is interesting the way that we spend a lot of money on that and then the administration seems to send like you know emails for free that just say like we're so sad people are dying like i think every i think everyone can agree on that or athletic departments are like asking for more money for like a second bus for the team and then it's like we just paid this dude a heinous amount of money to sit on zoom with us um i was talking to a coach the other day on the phone and she was like we were talking about this. Um, do you, have you heard of the Green Bandana Project? Uh, yes. They just, I think they just followed me. So Fairfield, Fairfield does that. I didn't know about it. They didn't have it when I was there. Um, but they started this year. And so it's pretty much like training student athletes, like one or two on each team. Like I actually, like I told my friend, I want to take the course. It's like a whatever mental health course they take. Cool. Um, and it's pretty much just to show that like, I'm actively a person who cares about this. Like, come talk to me if there's someone to talk to, which I think is amazing, like beyond anything I had when I was playing. Um, and then like you mix that with the fact that Fairfield's doing Morgan Message, which is amazing. But like a coach was like, I was talking, like, I want to look at our AD and be like, we don't need to plant new flowers every month outside the athletic department. We could hire a sports psychologist we could hire an actual psychologist like I think our athletic department has a psychologist and the only way I would be able to figure that out is if I found like the introductory email they send us every year like don't forget to stop by here 
like I ended up going to a counselor in like the counseling and psychology, whatever the center is like at school attached to the nursing, um, like the school nurse, like where they have counselors. But that was off of the recommendation of a kid who played at Fairfield before me, who I was close with, who I knew went through similar stuff. And when I called him, he was like, here's the phone number, go immediately. Like, which is great i don't and like i i'm not able to say like if i called my coach with the same question he would have given me the same response just because at the time i didn't know how to go to my coaches about it which you know it's one of those hard things too because i've come to realize too like part of the reason is coaches for the most part probably don't know what to say or how to handle it um which is a thing i've been trying wanting to help try working on is some kind of educational program whether it's like like those courses that you have to take at like the beginning of every year for like, like, like the sexual harassment stuff, like the, all the disciplinary courses, like every college kid has right, to like the alcohol misuse, things like yeah, that. All those things, like make a mental health one. It would be so easy. It's a Quizlet, like it's a Google survey. Like it's not hard. Um, and just like give, just says, you know, ways to, there's ways to identify a situation at a party you should leave ways to identify if yourself, a teammate, a roommate is going through mental health stuff. Um, and obviously there could be one that's more directed for like adults and coaches and administrators. Um, that's something I want to work on, but I have no idea how to do that. That's why I've been trying to make a bunch of phone calls to figure it out. But um, again, another tangent, but it, it's just like the athlete, like athletic departments, like and I know they can do so much more which is like the frustrating part it's just like what is it that's making them not I can't seem to figure out like is it someone at that specific school needs to take a life their life for them to be like oh okay this is a problem now or is it they need someone to sit there and lay it out for them like here's a program or like here's what you can do to educate student athletes and stuff like that but i'm not sure that's what i've been trying to figure out and i mean it's, i'm sure you've looked into ways you could help various people as well so it is it's like we're at like an an impasse almost like even vanderbilt just did and i love vanderbilt i never want to like attack them but like any other school they have plenty of flaws um and we just got like 300 million dollars for this thing called vandy united and it's like we're essentially redoing all of our facilities and stuff like that. So it won't even be done like by the time that I graduate, but it is interesting that you get like $300 million and you can't even put, you know, $3 million of that, which is still, that would be an incredible budget to have for someone to invest in mental health. And even if you took, I mean, I feel like a third of that should be put towards, you know, something productive for the student athletes and their well-being. Um, rather than just like, I don't think a nice facility has ever saved someone from taking their own life. No, not at no. all. And I, I've had the same thoughts, Fairfield's literally building a new basketball stadium right now, which is like, great. Like they raised the money for it, blah, blah. But like, I know there's so much more money coming in in other way, from other areas that like you can allocate it. And it doesn't even have to be like student athlete specific, just obviously that's where there's a big problem right now. But for like a greater education of the entire school um or like a like i don't even know like something with like the whole athletic department too because i feel like a big 
not that there's like divide at least from what i experienced at fairfield not that there's divides through teams but like our like department doesn't really interact with each other ours is ours is similar my sister actually went to fairfield and then transferred yeah um so i feel like i'm like familiar with the school and my cousins are from fairfield county so i like grew up you know going to games and stuff but um it is yeah that's interesting our our athletic program i feel like especially our women's across team is really like immersed in the just general like student body and we i feel like it's hard to differentiate between where the lacrosse team you know like starts from like our just general friends that are students but i think a lot of other athletes especially probably and i don't want to say anyone needs it more than anyone else but like a lot of our other athletes, I think, keep to themselves a lot and keep within their organizations. And I think when you're surrounded solely by athletes, it's really easy to lose perspective on the rest of the world. And I'm, I'm again, with students, like I think, especially at Vanderbilt, and I'm sure Fairfield is really similar. It's like a finance and consulting trap. Like everyone comes here and then wants to go do one of those things. Yeah. And I think being immersed in that, like students often forget that their worth exists outside of the career they pursue and convert, you know, similarly, athletes forget when you're only talking to athletes that there's a whole world outside of sports and a lot of people, like even we have an amazing baseball team and I'm sure a bunch of those guys will go to the major leagues, but a lot of them won't also. And I think that those people that I worry about when it's like you get out of college and you graduate and suddenly it's like, what do I do with my life? And what am I when I'm not a baseball player or what I'm when I'm not, you know, an athlete. Um, so it's, it's really interesting the way those things play out in terms of, again, to go back to how we were talking about identity and then even just like, and I think I'm so glad we connected because talking about like talking through ideas of what can actually be done is really helpful because I think it's easy to be like, this is egregious, and then kind of get it's stuck, and you're like, okay, yeah. I don't exactly know what to do about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree with all that. Like, I think my the one of the most valuable experiences I had was last year when I stepped away from the team, like having to like go make some new friends. Because like during the week or weekends, if like all my roommates had practice and games and like I wanted to go out or something, like we had our friend group of kids who like didn't play lacrosse. That was like an extension of our greater friend group. But then it was like going out with them and like or like I got added into like our group chat of friends that was like the NARPs, um, which yeah. is hilarious to me. Like I'm a, it was like the bar with them. They're like, oh, we'll put you in the group chat. She's like, what's happening now? Like Monday through Thursday. It's like, oh, cool. Uh, but then like I met so many people who if I didn't have to like take that put that little more effort in to like make friends rather than have them I guess kind of handed to me like they are when you join a team which is one of the best parts about joining a team like you get to college and you have 45 best friends whether you like them or not automatically Um, but meeting a lot of the relationships I made with people that like second half of my senior year that weren't based around lacrosse or anything like that are the people I still talk to now, like being out of school. Um, I was like, I have all my friends on the team still, but having these other people who like I can connect with on stuff that doesn't have to do with sports is, was an experience I never knew I needed, but I needed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Especially when you're like raised in, and I know like 
San Diego, especially going to Torrey Pines, like that's, there's a good lacrosse crew there. And same with like, I grew up in Bridgewood, which is like a huge lacrosse town. So I feel like I grew up with other athletes and everyone played sports. And then I got to college and my immediate friend group was my lacrosse team. And I felt like it was so, my life became so much more rich with like connection and, and just inspiration when I met more people who were doing different things. And even with like starting What a Wonderful Life and having a clothing company, I feel like you meet when you expand beyond your team, you meet other people who are doing amazing things that then push you to pursue whatever you're curious about or your passion or whatever it is, um, like your kind of side hustle for yeah. lack of a better explanation. Um, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's like, it's a gig economy, a side hustle. I don't know if I would explain kale with kale as a side hustle, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, pre- um, is there anything else you want to talk about or let anyone know? Oh, um, I just realized it's been an hour and 20 minutes almost. I know. I was like, we could, this is, feels like a great meeting. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that I want to plug or talk about but if there is I think anything that I would want to leave the conversation with it's that the next I think step in making progress in this conversation is to expand it beyond you know you and I and the people that are having these really important conversations and creating actual change and demanding that change and you know working tirelessly until it's and not not relentlessly but passionately and tirelessly until it is achieved because unfortunately like our our words and our feelings cannot save people's lives but our action can and so I'm so excited that we've connected and that there are so many people who are coming to you and coming to me and that it seems like there is a wave of inspiration that I really hope we can ride because I don't want this to pass or become something performative um I think that's all that I want to leave anyone with. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, this was awesome. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for doing this. Um, couldn't have thought of a better conversation. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and or watching. Um, and excited for the next episode.